Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life. All right, welcome back to the Wayfinder Show. This is Adam. Luis, what's up, man? Oh, chilling, man. Living the dream. You know, today's the first day of spring. Can you believe it? About damn time. I didn't time. even know that. It is about damn time. Yeah. Yeah, around three. I think my wife told me it was like 346 or something when it's officially spring. Of course, she hmm. tells me in like astrological terms, right? Like, you know, the sun is going to align with Jupiter and then Uranus is going to come out from behind. So you don't know. <laughs> and then that, that's when you know it's spring, right? So like, there we go. You just never know. <laughs> well, what do we got going on today? Oh, man, we got a treat for our listeners today. I'm really excited about it. We got our good friend, mentor, you know, maybe idol, Jamie Gruber from <laughs> the world famous Jamie Gruber. Yeah, world straight famous. from I- La República Dominicana. Same as same as spring. He didn't understand that, by the way. You know when I'm around, right? I didn't. You know when I'm around when Uranus comes out from behind you. Same thing. Same as spring. No difference. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So for those of us, so those of us listeners who don't know, Jamie is uh, he's a member. He's he's like the CEO of GoBundance Emerge Supercharged, right? Emerge. Yeah, Yeah, I own it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm owner owner of Emerge Supercharged. Correct. Partner with GoBundance, which is a a part of GoBundance, which is the world's greatest mastermind, right? I Uh, think so. I think so too. Yeah. So he's had. I know in indirectly, Jamie's actually a big reason why we're here today because uh, we, you know, Adam and I, you and I both met through GoBundance Emerge Supercharged. And uh, that led us to form this friendship, which led us to form this podcast. So uh, you really ignited the spark for us, Jamie. So um, it means a lot. It means a lot. Thank you, guys. I, I look. I love when people take advantage. All I do is create. I'm I'm great at facilitation and connection. That's it. I'm not an expert on anything else. So when I put those two things together, and it creates the space for you guys to then do what you do, that's all I like. That's all I want. That's my whole life. Yeah, must be like a parent, right? Like you just do the best to create. You know, your kids and empower yeah. them and all of that. And then it's just kind of fun to sit back and wait and watch and see what, what they become and what they do. Right. Completely agree. Yep. I yeah. love the Fridays, love watching FBF Fridays and seeing what everybody's doing. So for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So Jamie, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. I, you I like to know. say I'm a, I'm a recovering W2 guy. So I, uh, I, you know, married two, two kids. Like you said, I currently live in the Dominican Republic, which is sort of like the, the realization of the goal, right? Like the vision at one point was, you know what? I'm at this point in my life where, you know, I'm 15, 16, 17 years into a corporate career. I'm making a really good buck. I have equity and a bonus and all that great stuff. Right. But I don't feel complete. I don't feel fulfilled. I feel like I've year after year at this point, I'm 38, 39, let's say uh, four or five years ago, year after year, just diverging a little bit further away from who I truly am and what I truly want to do and who I truly want to be. And I, at a certain point, it just crashed. And honestly, my point was when I got the dream job that I thought was the fulfillment of what felt missing to me over the course of probably five or six years in the middle of my career, when I was doing everything I could to get to that corporate exec level. As soon as I hit that corporate exec level, I felt like that's that's the spot. That's why I'm feeling empty is I'm not in the level that I deserve to be. So I get that job. And yeah, it just it was a big, big lesson that external external validation doesn't doesn't fill you in right or external uh, rewards don't fill you in on or don't 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 fulfill you right it's got to come from inside and i learned in that time that i'm not this insurance claims executive like i don't i just don't enjoy it i really don't like i'm good at it i make a good buck doing it but that's about it so for me it was a matter of okay well how do i how do i figure out a way to get back to who i truly want to be and you know the first thing i thought of was Man, when I wanted to be an executive, I took every job that I could laterally within my company to get around the executives, right? Just to get exposure to them. And at a certain point, it became normalized that I am one of them. So when the mm-hmm. job came up, at some point it was like, well, Jamie's obviously the guy because he speaks in the room of exec- he's credible with the execs. He's there, right? So that proximity piece meant something to me. So now I'm like, well, I don't want to do this. 
I had this little itch for real estate and I thought, you know, let me get around investors. Now for me, that was listening to a podcast. We all know bigger pockets. If you're in the real estate space and the guys on that podcast kept talking about this go abundance, go abundance, go abundance, go abundance. So I go, well, let me check it out. So I joined and I got around people that are doing exactly what I'm not doing. They are entrepreneurs. They are full-time investors. They are business owners. And I'm at the beginning of this saying, well, I own a couple of duplexes, but let me get around these guys a little bit more. And it kind of normalized me as being that as well, which inevitably forced me to exit my day job. The one thing I learned from them early on though, was if you, what's the, the, the Alice in Wonderland thing. It's like, you know, which path should I take? Where do you want to go? I'm not sure. Well, then it doesn't matter. They taught me early on, like, you got to have a vision. You got to know where you want to go. And for me, that compelling vision was what I said. I want to travel three months with my family to any destination we want three months plus. So once I left the job about a year after it was like, well, I've done this. So I guess it's time to kind of lean into what I said I wanted to achieve because I can. And we moved down to the Dominican Republic about a year ago, ah, less than a year, six, seven months ago. And um, yeah, that's been my story ever since. That's awesome, man. So to back up a little bit, I mean, you kind of sped through a little bit that whole process. Um, You got to a point where you identified that you you weren't fulfilled in your W-2. Was there something that got you to decide to go into real estate? What, did you just stumble into bigger pockets or did you did you know a real estate investor or what kind of nudged you over that that fence? So I think the big thing that we we lose sight of in our lives, and this is to any 25, 35, 45-year-old person, especially if you're in a job, especially if you're unfulfilled, is there is a little voice in you that springs up, that pops up. That's your authentic voice that gives you guidance. It's there. It's always there. The problem is, though, the moment it springs up and says, hey, here's an idea, there's all these layers of conditioning, you know, like what you should do, what your parents expect of you, what you're supposed to be, what your boss would say, all of that, that just mutes that voice. So what's interesting is I don't know exactly where it came from, but before I went for the executive, like I said, I was selling out for the executive job. I was taking any job. You tell me, my, my company said, go take this job and travel 45 weeks a year while you have a brand new baby at home. Like no problem, because that gets me to the executive level. And then after that, it's like, go take this job that has no guarantee of a return ticket. And if it doesn't work out, you probably don't have a job at all. No problem. Whatever I need to do to be that guy, because I knew I could do it all right. But somewhere in there, like I started to think there's got to be more. Right. But it wasn't a very conscious thought. It was just kind of there. But yeah, I started just, I don't know, Googling and reading like, what if I were to leave my job? What are some things people do? And real estate kept coming up. And then rich dad, poor dad popped up. And then whenever I would Google this bigger pockets thing would come up. Then the podcast came up and it was like, well, all right, you know, this just sounds reasonable. So what's interesting is I actually was looking for my first couple of duplexes, uh, My well, what ended up being my first couple of duplexes, I don't know, six, eight months before I even interviewed for the job that I eventually got and wanted, right? So it's funny how I was all in, but I started looking for property six, eight months before, and we actually closed on two duplexes in New York when Mm. I moved to Michigan a week later. So like, Mm. it's crazy how like all of it came together. So what what I would say in retrospect is there was a voice in me, something authentic that was crying out that you want something different. And that voice seemed to think that real estate was the way to go. And I just listened enough to it to take a little bit of action, read a little book, Google, you know, listen to YouTube, Google the idea of real estate investing and just kind of got into it. And it logically made sense to me. And that led to the next thing and the next thing, and the next thing, which we can get into. But yeah, it wasn't a, you know what? I got to get into real estate. It was just simply something that felt right. And at the time I didn't recognize that I was just simply following my intuition, but that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Cause you, you were obviously called to that because not only did you buy a couple duplexes. You say you took a little action, but then you started a, a local meetup that grew into yeah. kind of a national meetup, didn't it? Can you can you speak to how that played yeah, out? Yeah. So so you know you start with the duplexes and then you find go abundance and then you join and then it's all about thinking bigger and not like doing more, but just thinking bigger. So multifamily became a thing. And it was like, you know what, I should, I should uh I should look at buying multifamily property. And what was funny was I found a partner and we started, we started, we each had like, I had two duplexes in a single family. He had like three single families. And we're like, oh, easy to market to a, a, a commercial broker. Like we already have experience, right? So we would call these brokers and we would send them what we had called a credibility book or like a, like a, 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 a business plan for what we want to do in multifamily. And they'd be like, oh, that's so nice. Great. But 
cool. Like, you know, we don't know who you are or anything like that. So we were, my partner and I were thinking like, what's another way that we can get some exposure in this market or at least get known. Maybe we need to have more credibility. So yeah, we started a meetup. Uh, we called it multifamily and more mostly because we weren't sure. Cause there were no other multifamily meetups. If no one had ever tried it or if somebody had tried it already and it failed miserably. So we left the more on there, multifamily and more. So it's like, well, if no one wants multifamily, we could talk about other things. Right. But everyone showed up for multifamily. And we said at the very beginning, like, we don't have any. We're looking to get into that space. Some people in the audience did. Most didn't. And it was just like, let's grow together. Let's learn. I, I'm going to, again, I'm going to use my powers of facilitation and connection to bring people together around this topic that I have interest in, which is multifamily. And then it got legs. Like people in other markets, thanks to GoBundance that I met, uh, were like, yeah, I like what you're doing. I wanted to start a meetup. Like, how'd you do it? So I'd show them and they say, well, why don't I just call it my city multifamily and more? And that just kept happening. So we got to like 21 chapters. If you count up our Facebook groups, there were like 16,000 members. Many of those chapters run by GoBundance guys. Um, and to be honest with you, as I said, my intuitive voice, so somebody sitting at their job, if that's if that's somebody we're speaking to or, or in a business that they're unfulfilled by, my intuition told me first, like something's missing, something's missing. And then my intuition told me this real estate thing is interesting. And I just kind of followed it, right? That's my advice to anybody. Like just follow those little breadcrumbs that are popping out. They're coming up. They're coming up at night when you're waking up in the middle of the night and your brain is racing. Like let that, let that be like everything's quieted down and it's telling you something. So I would do those things, right? And that eventually led to where I started this meetup. And I'll be honest with you, in the meetup space, it became like, well, in order to really market this meetup, I've got to kind of build a brand, right? I've got to build some awareness. So I started doing Facebook lives inside the group and then getting on podcasts and creating some YouTube videos and Instagram videos and that sort of thing. And I liked that more than I liked going after real estate. <laughs> so, so, but if I hadn't followed my intuitive voice on real estate, it wouldn't have led me to the meetup. And if, if I wouldn't have found the meetup, I wouldn't have found this medium of content creation and then eventually podcasting and so on and so forth. So, so that's, that's the, that's what the meetup was. And I actually sunset it about a year ago because we just, I mean, we just, we didn't do all the things you should do with it. And it just became this big, like, you know, mess of a thing. And like, we could go back in and try to restructure, but I just said, you know what, I'm going to move on with what I've learned and, and, and focus my energies on Emerge Supercharge, uh, as you guys are part of, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was sort of the next iteration and it did, it brought us, it brought us two multifamily deals that I closed on. And then a third later that we ended up wholesaling, um, before I partnered up with my current partners on multifamily. Hmm. You know, it, it seems like each, each step they're, they're actually, they seem to go very sequentially, but they aren't really that you, if you, if you look at that, if you back out, they're not really that related, right? Not at you all. You had a meetup, a podcast, real estate, a W2, yep. all these different things. And you somehow figured out how to like bring them all together in, 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 a, in almost, it seems like a sequential way. Yeah. If but, you were to meet a 22 year old kid or 21 year old kid, I say this all the right. time and say to them, and they were to say, ah, you know, I, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. You would say to that kid, like, just do it all. Try it all. Yeah. You're 21. Like, just, who cares, right? Like, try yeah. that for a year and you don't like it, pivot to that or whatever. But as we go along into our 30s and our 40s, like, we're supposed to have figured it out. So we don't give ourselves that same advice of just try stuff. Just yeah. do different things and see what works, see what lands, see what doesn't. So that's exactly like I always say to people now, like, listen, if you're stuck in a job or a business or whatever, and and you're thinking, well, what do I do next? Like, that's where I'm stuck. I don't know what I would do next. What you're not doing is listening to your intuitive guidance to say, well, this sounds crazy, but I want to like, I want to build baskets and paint them in, in, you know, in yellow and green colors. I don't know, whatever. I want to paint them looking like Jamaican flags. I don't know why I came up with that, but whatever it is that you want to do, just go do that. But understand that whatever that is, that version 1.0 pivot, your version 12.0 is going to be very different. And the only way to get to 12.0, which is where I think I am now on the way to version 40.0, um, is to start at version 1.0. But when you're embedded career business. I've been doing this 15 years. I'm 41, two kids and a wife or husband or whatever it might be. It's like, well, you've, you've sectioned your life off. I went from five to 18 in school. I had this brief stint in college, but it was four years. Then I had a 15 year career. So what's the next 11, right? As opposed to what I've learned, what's the next six months, 
three months. And then after that, it might be a different three months or month before I pivot to another thing. But we don't do that. And I know why we don't do that, but I'll pause there for a moment. (laughs) Oh, no. Now we need to hear why. Well, so I, I think there's... I think there's levels to this, right? So I think people people will tell you that, you know, they're afraid of failure. I don't disagree. They're afraid to fail, right? But what I would say is that people aren't afraid to fail as much as they're afraid to be judged for that failure. So if you fail and no one sees it, no one cares, right? Like if you bump your head on a piece of pane glass that you weren't, you didn't notice or you thought was a, uh, an open an open doorway, right? Ever do that? Like you walk into a very clean piece of glass because you didn't, you thought it was just an open doorway. Like if the first thing you do is you look around, like who saw it, right? Mm. And if no one saw it, then you just go about your day. If somebody else saw it though, you kind of give them that look of like, ah, ah, how stupid am I? I saw it. I know. I know how bad I look. You don't, you don't own the judgment of me, right? But if you failed and no one knew, no one saw it. It didn't affect anyone. No one could ever know. Then you probably would take way more chances and do way more things. But that fear of judgment, in my opinion, is what holds a lot of people from taking that first step. Like if I say I'm going to do this and I put it out there that I'm doing this and it doesn't work, I'm going to fail. That's what I see it as. And these people are going to judge me for that. And what I've learned entrepreneurs know is that failure is just it's it's necessary. It's part of the recipe. It's part of the it's part of the formula for success. But most of us in our W two minds don't believe that. Don't understand that. And we've been brought up through school and and our corporate careers to 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 know that failure is a bad thing. It's a big red F on the top of a page. It's you're not going to get into the school you want. You're not going to get the job you want. Entrepreneurial world, man. Failure is like thank God you failed when you did. This way you knew how to yeah. iterate and change and grow from yeah. there. So yeah. What about identity? How much? What do you about think that plays into it? So I'm thinking, you know, you were in the corporate world as an executive, you know, there for 15 years, like you said, that became your identity. It's very easy. You introduce, hey, I'm Jamie. I'm the corporate dude for 15 years, right? Now yeah. what? Now you go and you give your identity, you got to give a big old story, right? Like, like so So you don't think that has anything to do with it? Thousand percent, man. A hundred percent it does. And and that's the part of the fear of failure is I'm going to fail as this new thing. And everybody, everybody knows that I'm this, right? So like you're yeah. ripping yourself away from who you say you've always been or who you believe that you've been. So- Absolutely. Identity is a big piece of it. For me, what I've learned is this one, uh, you don't become your identity. When you take the action, you become, you shift your identity and then action falls after that. So in other words, if you're a corporate person and you're an executive or whatever, I didn't start moving into, into real estate investing and entrepreneurship and the things I'm doing now until I shifted my identity to say, you know what, that's not who I am. I'm this instead. Now, the way I think the shortcut, the easiest way to shift your identity is to pivot your network. So I have a great group of people in my life that I've had around me forever, and they are my remember when people, right? They're the folks that, that know me for who I've always been or who I am, right? And they are always going to want to keep me safe when I depart from who they remember me to be and start going in another direction. Don't do that. My uncle Tony bought real estate and he went bankrupt. Don't start a business. It's a 95% failure rate when you start a business, right? Like all of that is my remember one community. Nobody else in my world, other than those people, my family, my friends, my parents, whatever, who want to keep me safe are going to, are going to tell me the things that keep me in my current identity. When you decide, you know what? I really feel pulled to be a real estate investor, a marketer, uh, a parent, whatever it might be. Then you need to shift your identity and leverage those around you in what I call your imagine when community. So some, another group of people that you need to find that represent who you're becoming, who your identity is now in order for you to be dragged upward. So remember when we'll drag you back, imagine when we'll drag you forward. But, but the key is you have to shift identity and then the result lags. And the best example I can use of this is uh, both of you have kids. Yes. Yes. Okay. When your wife became pregnant, you didn't have a kid. You weren't a parent, but you were a parent, right? Your identity was that of a parent instantly. So you start doing parent stuff, right? Like your your mind goes there. You're starting to uh, maybe talk to other parents, right? Because future, imagine when, and it's probably the same people in this regard because a lot of your family and friends have, have, have kids, but the conversation shifts, right? Like you're in that mode. You're going to breathing classes. You're reading books about you know how to be better than who your mom and dad were, like how not to damage this kid, all that stuff, right? And then nine months later, the result is there. You're a parent, the kid comes. So your identity shifted in the moment that your wife became pregnant, but the result lagged, you know, and who you surround yourself with helps you to be, helps you to shift identity better than any other method I know of. What if, what about for those of us who have a identity, you know, a certain community around an identity and, uh, and, and we want to shift, but we don't really want to lose that community. And maybe we don't shift because of that. 
Yeah. So, that, I, well, so give me an example. Like, who don't you want to lose? Uh, yeah. So, you know, lately I've been having motivation problems with running, Adam, and our listeners know I, I, I run a lot. And so I, uh, you know, I've been having motivation. I'm thinking, like, do I really want to be a runner? Yeah, well, I, I do, but maybe not the same level I've been at for a while. And part of it is because I have my running buddies and I want to go, hey, you know, that's, and we get together and we run and talk about whatever. And, and I'll miss that, you know, because I won't be able to keep up with them anymore or anything like that, you know, so. So it keeps so, me kind of motivated. But so for you, you you want to maintain runner identity, or you're shifting away from a runner identity? I don't know. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah, <fair>. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I think uh, part of me, yeah, is, is thinking of shifting from a runner. I I think I'll, again, I'll always be a runner, but just not at the same level, right? Like I run a lot. Um, I train for marathons. Usually, do one or two a year. So yeah. that involves, you know, 50, 60, 70 miles a week. Uh, so to do that, there's only a certain amount of wackos who want to do that. And <laughs> you know, so we develop a kinship there. And so, well, so, so, all right. So then what you're talking yeah. about, what I, I would call like front row, first row, second row, and then, and then completely out. Right. So, yeah. so if your primary focus in your life right now, this season of your life, let's say is, you know, building your business, entrepreneurship, whatever it might yeah. be, real estate investing. Um, it sounds like, that you're saying, okay, well, right now I've got all these running friends and you're making a decision between sort of like keep or eliminate, right? And I don't think you have to make that that drastic a decision. I think right. it's simply in this part of your life or this season of your life is you have a front row, whoever that front row might be. It might be your accountability pod. It might be, you know, uh, Adam. It might be somebody in the real estate space, whatever, people in Emerge, whatever it might be. But those are your front row. That's the people that you're that you're going to with everything, right? Like you're you're 100% of you with these folks because they're going to celebrate your ambitions with you. That's the biggest challenge. When you start to grow away from the, the current group that you have, you can't bring all of you to that group for fear of whatever it might be, uh, 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 judgment or, or, you know, being just sort of like, I don't know, vilified or whatever it might be, right? Like when I started to build wealth, many in my community didn't want to hear about me having any problems. Like I wasn't allowed to, you know? So as you guys go through that as well, you're building wealth right. and building your stature. Well, you're not allowed to have problems with certain people in your life. Those people, though, I still have them in my life. My friends from, from way back when, my parents, all of that, right? But I put them on the second row. Doesn't mean they're out of my life, but you know they're not the first phone call I make when it comes to this specific topic. Like, I'm going to catch up with my mom. I go out with my buddies once a year. We live all parts of the country, right? Like, but they're on the second row eliminate is just toxicity. Like if there's somebody right. toxic in my life, that's eliminate. I don't think you have to make the decision between my running friends are in my life or they're out of my life. I think it's simply saying, Hey, they're in my life, but I put them on the second row. And for you, you have to figure out what that looks like. Is it just, Hey, I, I hang out with them on weekends or we chat once a month uh, at this one running event or whatever it might be. And you really give yourself, give all of yourself to whoever your front row is or your core group of, uh, of, uh, supporters at this point. So that's the best way I can describe it. No, that's a great way. And I think about it, you know, we've, we've had a lot of guests in, in my circumstances as well that, you know, grow up in, in really tough situations and they want to get away from that. And they, you know, there's a part that you go through where you want to just, you know, I think there's a guilt factor about getting away from those friends, right? Um, sure. You know, you feel like you're selling out and there's a piece, but you really want to hold on. And some of those you do. Um, but yeah, I, I think you phrased it well. We put some on the second row and put some that you are just toxic and you got to just eliminate them. That's it. Right? And they, that's survivor's remorse, right? So if you've, if yeah. you've pulled yourself out of a situation that's and people it. are stuck behind there's survivor's remorse, I get that. I, I go back to, you know, who is your network? Who is your community? Who's your imagine when? Cause the folks that are, are like when I was, you know, when I was in W2 in my W2 job, right? Like the things I had, I had close friends there. I'd worked with for years, even moved from state to state with, to some extent, right? Like guys that I knew for a long time, when I brought my ambitions to them as friends, because our kids knew each other, and our wives knew each other. Right? Like, you know, they know I have a life outside of work, right? It's not my boss I'm talking to or somebody I barely know. It was still, it was flat. Right. And, and when I, when they saw what I was doing, there was a bit of like uh that's, you could see it. It's interesting to them but it scares the hell out of them. Right. And so their reaction would be more like, well, let me vilify, right? Not in a, uh, an aggressive way, but like, yeah, you know, I, that's just not my thing. You know, I don't know why you would do this, why you would do that, right? Like they would just kind of go that angle. But the the strength I had when I lost my nerve, when I was unsure of like, maybe I am dreaming too much. Maybe I am a little too head in the clouds or whatever. My accountability pod with GoBundance specifically, my GoPod, those guys were the ones that 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 core group of advisors, if you will, that kept me going forward when I had that moment of survivor's remorse or like, 
man, why don't I just settle down here? Like, who the hell do I think I am? I would always hear from my dad, you, you know, better men than you have tried and failed. That's a, a phrase he has. He doesn't mean anything by it other than it doesn't mean anything by it. But the way I take it is like, Jesus, I, I guess I'm not good enough in some ways to have the life that I want. And the only people that kept me from retreating were that were that core group that I that I invested time, money, and energy to be with, that imagine when group that drags me forward. So that's, mm -hmm. I think, the key to everything. Who are you surrounding yourself with? So do you feel like you can have different imagine wins for different buckets? Like you can have your friend who, yeah, maybe he isn't so successful financially, but he's the best dad I've ever met. And then, mm -hmm. and then a different guy for this bucket and this bucket, or do you feel like that gets too, too messy no. and they drag you back down? I think you need to have that. So GoBundance is uh, entrepreneurs, many of whom are in the real estate space. So the original attraction for me was being around those guys and my pod that I'm with, that's, that's more what they are. Like I'm the only like brand marketing guy in my pod with real estate as a part of me. And then we grow as men, right? Like, I, you know, they, they're, they're helping me with like, you know, making sure I don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, backtrack on my goals and all of that. But at a certain point, like when my focus became more brand and podcast, like I needed a different set of advisors for that. So I have a second pod specifically of other guys in GoBundance that are more focused on the brand and podcast side than they are on the real estate side. So yeah, you absolutely need that. I'm uh, in a group of guys that uh, we call it GoDads, right? There's a group of us that that it's specifically about fatherhood and understanding why my kids crave sugar and why I shouldn't want to kill them every time that they they sneak sugar out of my wife's purse or whatever, right? Like like those those that those advisors are very very important to me. So no, I think. You know, like I think some people hear like, oh my God, that's so much to do or whatever. And it's not that. It's simply, you know, you're gonna make a phone call on your 15 minute commute or when you're running to the store and trying to get away from the kids for 15 minutes or whatever. You're gonna make a phone call. So who are you calling? Are you calling second row or are you calling the people that are, you know, uh, uh advisors for you in one of the gardens of your life that's that's calling you to make that call right now? So if I'm if I'm feeling like I I'm I'm not representing myself as the dad I want to be, then I'm going to call Sergio, right? If I'm feeling like I'm, I'm more, you know, like the podcast, I want to, I want to ideate on that, then I'm going to call Matt or Eric or whomever's in my, my, my uh, podcaster's pod. Does that make sense? So mm -hmm. I think you need it across the board. You need a board of advisors on, in all gardens of your life. That's what I found. Honestly, guys, mo most guys that have success, they have, like, if you look at uh, uh, like a David Osborne, two, $300 million guy, he has a coach and or mentor in every area, somebody mm -hmm. for health, somebody for wealth, somebody for, you know, relationships, somebody for, uh, uh, adventure, right? Like he's got somebody in place for each and every part of his life. That's important to him. So let's talk a little bit more about, about success. You obviously have a great network cause you've put time and effort into it. And frankly, you're, like you said, you're just a good connector. That's what you do naturally. And we haven't even discussed the fact that you have an amazing podcast called tribe of millionaires podcast, where you get to talk Thank to you. a ton of super successful people on a weekly basis. I heard that's the second best podcast in the world right now. <laughs> that's what I've heard too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm sure you've made connections. Are there certain things that you see commonalities between super successful people that you can say, yeah, these two guys are pretty different, but they all kind of have this in common. Is there anything that, that comes to mind with that? Two things. They invest in their network and they give without thinking of receiving. Those are by, by far mm. the easiest two things I've seen. Like there isn't a guy or gal that I know that I admire, that I look up to and say that they're successful and financially uh, as fathers. Like I think of John Vroman, John Vroman's a great dad. I don't know what his financial situation is, but great dad. And that guy invests heavily in being a dad, right? Like that's his, his whole brand front row dad. So they invest in who they surround themselves with. They understand the efficiency of money in that regard. In other words, if you're 26, 27, it, it doesn't make sense to you often to pay for things to be done for you in life, right? It's, I, I'm going to do that. I, why would I pay somebody to mow my lawn? I'll just do that. I'll throw in a podcast. Look at me. I'm saving $23, right? Like that's that mindset. But over time, as you age into your 30s and your 40s, I think you get way more clear on how fast life goes. And, it, and you have more money at this point. So it flips like money is, is not as important as your time. So for me, it's like, okay, if I want to be the best real estate investor I can be, or if I want to be the best dad or husband or, or the best, whatever entrepreneur I can be, I can spend a lot of time on my own going out and finding those people, start a meetup locally, just, you know, different people coming in every month. And over the course of time, I'll build my, my imagine when tribe, my, my, my front row, right? Six, seven people. Cool. That'll take me two years, right? Or 
I can drop 10, 15, 20 grand, which not chump change, but I find a room full of no chumps that I can engage with that are aligned around who they want to be, that, that, that culture is associated with what, who I want to be. And I can do that right now. Somebody else has already organized, organized that for me. So I see when I look at the most successful people, the, the, the more financial success they have, the more they invest in their networks. They're in multiple mastermind groups. They're in multiple communities. They have multiple coaches. Like they are so fully invested in who they surround themselves with. Um, and the second is, is I'm, I'm uncomfortable at times with how much they give time energy wise, right? Like at times it's like, what do I need to do to, to pay you back here? And they're like, no, nothing. I don't want anything back from you. What I've learned though, is the right response in that regard is nothing to do with, oh, let me think of something to return for them is when they invest and give to you or to me or whomever, the return that you give is action. So mm-hmm. when, when, you know, uh, a David Osborne says you should do this, if I admire and think this guy has great advice and whatever, then I'm going to do that and then go back to him and say, Hey, I did that. Now what? Cause that's like, well, shit, man, this guy is, this guy's driven. He's taking my advice. Like it's worth my investment of time in him. So they're extremely giving without worrying about a return and they invest in their network. That's great. I mean, speaking of networks again, so let's obviously Louie and I are part of Emerge Supercharge, but just for the listener, can you kind of paint the picture of what that looks like? Maybe if you have it, what that looks like now. And then also if you have visions of, of what you want it to be in the future. Yeah. Again, entrepreneur, right? So, so as a new entrepreneur, I, uh, I take over, I, I create this group, I should say, I partner with GoBundance on it. And then we go about uh, marketing it and we have so many different iterations of whatever, but here's where we are with it essentially what was like a course with an associated community, we really have learned like the value people get is what you guys did, right? Like you meet each other, you build a network and you start doing things together to, to help each other grow, holding each other accountable along the way. What it is and what it's what it's what we're really leaning into is that like Emerge Supercharge is a community of, of like-minded, highly driven, unbelievable people who want to be the best version of themselves across all of the pillars of what GoBundance represents. They want to be the best version of themselves as a parent, as a, as a husband or wife, as a, uh, as an entrepreneur or, or in building their wealth, um, you know, in their health, in their relationships, right? Like they want to, they want to have the best life. The, the tagline for GoBundance is always, it's always great. It's a tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. That's exactly what emerges. It's a group of those folks, a tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. The only difference between us and GoBundance right now is uh, many in Emerge are still on that on that path to realizing that level of wealth that they want to get to, where many in GoBundance are kind of there and are maybe more on the, hey, now I can pay it back because I'm kind of, I don't have a job. I don't have anything I need to do. I have a ton of money, legacy wealth, and let me pour back into those that are that are a little further down the ladder. But yeah, that's the idea. And, and the way we serve folks is by making sure they got great content, great education, that they have great connection, which we're always looking to improve upon, connections through the pods, through the microtribes, through all these different things, and really a level of, and um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? And uh, I guess privacy amongst one another, confidentiality. Because we talk about, I'm sure you guys do, we talk about some, some really raw stuff that's going on in our life that we don't share with other people in a community like this. So that, building that space, that safe space for people to come into and say, I can celebrate my ambitions here. I can learn a bunch of cool stuff. I can meet amazing people and then leverage that to grow and scale whatever it is I'm trying to grow and scale in my life. That's what Emerge is all about. Yeah, you know, uh, Jamie, I, I, you probably don't know this, but here in Denver, we have a uh, a local group yeah. that we started. And Adam and I are actually the founders. Of it, and uh, we started getting together. Well, all we do is the one sheets in there, right? Yeah. Which we can talk about if we like, but uh, we get together once a quarter. And now it's grown to about seven, eight of us now. I love and that. Uh, it, I got to tell you, some of the, the conversations that we have in that room once a quarter are so intimate. You know, there's been tears shed. There's been all, you know, and, and just just a lot of magic happens out of there. We come out of there feeling supercharged. And uh, we can only imagine what it would be like at a higher level, like in GoBundance, where people from all over the world. and It's the same, it's, man. It's yeah. the same. Honestly, that's the thing I love about it. Like the only difference is, you know, uh, GoBundance has that net worth minimum and it's not like people are better than or whatever, like everyone in Emerge is doing what people in GoBundance are doing. They just haven't hit scale yet with it. Right. Yeah. But like, if you were to share, this is what this GoBundance guy is doing. And this is what the Emerge person is doing. Most of the time, it's not dissimilar, like, you know, what transactions they're going for, the kinds of business they're in or whatever. 
The only difference is, you know, net worth provides a different level of, I don't know, lifestyle, maybe not like, you know, epic lifestyle, but just, you know, the worries are different, estate planning, like, you know, like even a two or three or $4 million guy, like I can't relate to a 50 million or a hundred million dollar guy fully, right? Like they're on a different level. So right. for the hundred million dollar guys, better to speak to the hundred million dollar guy. Cause they're, they're, they're able to share kind of where they are in life, but yeah, what you experience in that room emotional connection, immersive experience, not being able to escape and just full raw vulnerability. Yeah. That's the best part about, about, uh, uh, for me, go abundances. I get to share that with these guys and, and then I get to double down on that with a merch. So. Yeah. We're, we're not ashamed to say that, you know, throw in a little plug here. Cause if, if our listeners go and click the link through our show notes, you know, we do, it'll get you into go abundance and it does help support the show. So I want to thank you for allowing that to happen. You know, because sure. we do want more people to to join Go Abundance and be a part of it and and help you know and indirectly support us to get the message out. Love so, it, man. Yeah, I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, thank you. But yeah. uh, and another note, I'm wondering what are some of those differences in mindsets? Would you say it's just the same two common traits with successful people, or uh, just at a different level when you when you're at the different levels, right? Like like you said, a two, three, four million dollar net worth person versus a $50 million person. Is it just the same two traits, you know, that, but at a higher level, do they invest in bigger networks or, you know, do uh, they give even more or, yes. or are there other traits? There are the, the other yeah. big difference. I, and, and I don't think this is, this is necessarily avoidable, but it's almost like a, like a, like a pyramid in some ways, but the, when you're starting kind of your wealth journey, especially outside of a W or maybe even inside of W2, if you're, if you're significant, a CEO of a big company or whatever, when you're starting it, you're, you're naturally going to go a little bit broader, right? People call it shiny object syndrome. It's like, Oh, that sounds interesting. Let me go that way. And then, Oh, oh you know what? This sounds really cool. Let me go over there. And then, you know, you're trying and iterating, like we talked about, you're doing all these different things. And as you start to get into that, like, you know, a few million in net worth, two, three, four, five million in net worth, you you become more focused, right? Hmm. But so, so for the person at four or 5 million in net worth, if they were giving advice to somebody at half a million or a million, they would say, wow, you're, 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 you're just broad right now. So what you're going to want to do is find your lane, get closer to finding your lane so that you can grow wealth. Now the guy at 50 million, what he's going to say to the person at 4 million is, you know what? You're a little too broad right now. You just want to, you just want to find your lane. So the difference as you go up the chain is what I've seen is that people get really, really, really certain, really certain, like, like almost, almost like a, a knee jerk response certain on what it is they do and how it is they 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 live and what they say yes to and everything else is a no. So when you're when you're at 2 3 4 5 million like you might have some certainty where you're saying no to a lot of things but you're still kind of like, you know, let me dip my finger in over here like short-term rental was a big thing, bitcoin, right? Like all of that. When you get to like 30 40 50 million, it's not only no to bitcoin and no to short-term rental but it's no to under 200 units. It's no to outside of, you know, Cheeseman Park in Denver. It's no to, you know what I mean? Like it gets really, really, really narrow. Like they have no like ready. And yes, has to be like, go on until you get to like all 30 of my criteria are met. That's a yes. They say yes, very, very infrequently. So that's the difference as you go up higher on the chain is the amount of, the amount of focus become so like, like minor, they call it like, you know, inch wide, mile deep, it gets to like centimeter wide, mile deep, the higher you go up that net worth chain and everyone below that level, whatever it is, the hundred million dollar guy can tell you why the 80, the 60, the 40, the 10, the five and the $200,000 person all need to narrow their focus in some way. And the $300 million guy can tell the hundred million dollar guy where he's too broad. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? So yeah, that, that trait as you go up is, is clear. It's, it's like they say, what got you here isn't going to get you there, right? Like whatever skills or abilities that got you to this level, the exact same things that are going to hold you back from achieving the next level. That's the, that's exactly what it is. Like they're, they are, they are, they are too broad to be at that next level. So the, the higher you go, the more focused you get. Hmm. It's if you guys are familiar with Pareto's principle. Yeah. 80, 20. It's that they continue to refresh their 20. So that's the difference is like the, the 20% of the things that get you 80% of the results at a certain point, that 20% of things that give you 80%, they become the 80% activities that give you 20% and you need to level mm. up to a new 20. 
And then that becomes the 80% and you level up to a new 20. Like that's the, that's the difference. I would say, as you go up the chain, it's unavoidable. It's not like they figured something out. If I were to give advice and I'm learning this as well, it's simply that understand that what you're doing right now that you feel like, wow, I figured it out. This will become soon, especially if you're an entrepreneur soon will become the 80% activity. That's only giving you 20% of the result. Cause within that 20% you're doing now, there's something really small that needs to become your full 20. And then that'll morph again and again. It's it never ends. Hmm. You know, it's funny about that. I, I you know I run a real estate team here in Denver, and we start once a year. We do this ideal client workshop, right? And uh, and and we go and we just try to figure out who who is our ideal client. And you know, like somebody might say, you know, I, I like to I, I, my client would be a runner, so I can go show houses running house to house, you know. And they might have a dog, so bring the house near Wash Park or Cheeseman Park or something like that. Yeah. Right. And I actually have an agent like this. And um, every time that they, you know, when we're just starting out, you take business from anywhere. Right. You just say yes mm -hmm. to everything and you go. Yep. And usually is a, a really high failure rate when you're outside of that ideal client. Oftentimes, those are the ones that you may or may not get under contract. If you do, it falls apart. You know, it's a headache before, during and after you close a deal. Right. Yep. But then when you have that one where it's that client, you know, you ran with them to go see the house, you go, you know, you run to closing, the dog comes along, all that, and then you go celebrate in Wash Park, or, you know, then um, it just felt easy. It feels like it was, you never worked for yeah. it, you know, and it, it's just smooth, and they're your biggest evangelist and praise about you to everybody. And then before you know it, you're having more and more of those if you just yeah. focus on it, right? Well, now so, the key to that, so there's a guy in my pod like this. He owns a team in in uh, South Carolina. And I've seen him over the last four years go from, I mean, he's got, an, he's, he's got a buyer's agent. He's got his whole team, right? So yeah. his 20 was that. He had his ideal client. I'm only going to work yeah. with these people. Yeah. And then over time, he was like frustrated because it was just something missing. There was something missing in that client base. So he realized, oh, it's that client but at this level, this size property or this level of property or whatever, right? Yeah. So he only started to focus on that two plus million dollar transactions, right? Yeah. Then over time, I saw that become like, I don't need to be doing all this. This other lady I brought, she could do all that. I need right. to work with the investors who are buying yeah. $20 million commercial properties. Like that's where I spend my time. And now he's at a point where he's like, I'm leveling past that. His new 20 is simply getting high net worth billion dollar individuals to bring capital in to the deals that people on his team are now dealing with at that 20 and $30 million level. Does that make sense? So yeah. it's continually growing and, and, and again, replacing your 20% with a new 20%. So even that, that ideal client, that's great service and get expert at that ideal client, but there'll be come right. a point. You have to understand that, that what got you here won't get you there. So what about that ideal client? Do you need to put away what's 80 and what's 20 and then focus on that 20. And again, let that, let that cycle up as you go along. And I, I just think that as a W2 person that works, but it's a way slower uh, ascension. Like you could stay in the same 20 for years versus in the entrepreneurial world, it might be months and you're pivoting depends, but that's what I've learned. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Well, Jamie, um, we can go hey, on forever about this. Before we get into yeah. the Wayfinder 4, Louie, I'm sorry <laughs> to mix it up, but I want to ask a really <laughs> selfish question. You obviously yeah. interview a ton of interesting people, both oh, on your yeah. podcast and just love this topic. through GoBundance. And I've seen a few of them because, I, you know, us as emerged people get access to some of your GoBundance interviews too. It doesn't have to be your favorite because I feel like that's limiting, but give me one or two just badass interviews that just blew your mind who who, sean, who are your favorites sean casey number one by far, oh, not by far sean one. casey was yeah. big yeah. i love sean casey. He's a you know former major league baseball all-star he just has a great way of uh storytelling and and explaining peak performance through just a fun medium with baseball right like yeah. how anyone could be in peak performance like core concepts based on based on that so that was a ton of fun um exhibit the mayor, Sorry. exactly. Sorry. Exhibit, the former rapper, the guy that- yeah. uh, Oh, that was a classic. He yeah. was amazing. I did that live in San Francisco. So uh, he was a ton of fun because he, again, great storyteller uh, and and more- more like he tells his story and then you like Sean gave you specific, you know, like this is what I learned and this is what to apply. Uh, Exhibit just gave you like his life story and it was really easy because of the way he did it to extract lessons from it. So he's another favorite. And then I would say- um, 
I was challenged by Jesse Itzler and Tom Bilyeu in a good mm. way. It was it was fun to prep for them. Um, it was it was fun to interview them. They're both runaway trains, so to try to keep them on the tracks was a, was was difficult. But um, I learned a lot about effective interview style. Um, there's a the, I'm the most proud. Like I probably got four to five questions in on each of those. It wasn't a ton, but I'm the most proud of what I was able to do with those interviews. Because it, there was an only people that have podcasted long enough, like Pat Hyben came up to me afterward and he actually said, like, I know exactly what you did. It was this, this, and this. I'm like, holy cow, man. It's like a mag- another magician watching a magician do work. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Oh, you only, some people said, oh, it must have been so easy. You got four or five questions. Like, you have no idea what it took to get, because what you can't do in interviews of that scale is say, give us a little backstory on you. Tell us more about your, your jet card company. You can't do that. Because then you're going to lose the hour on stuff that anybody can hear anywhere. So yeah. the the ability to take a life story, condense it down to three bullets, and then ask a question that goes a level deeper. I mean, it's the art behind podcasting that I love. And to hear Pat and one other guy say to me, like, I saw what you did there. I'm like, wow, that's cool. It was like David wow. Blaine with Chris Angel and uh, you know Houdini in the room. All Not to say yeah, whatever, but all sort of understanding the language over here while everyone else got, wow, I don't know. He made the card pop out of his ass. I don't know how he did that, right? Like every, every other <laughs> audience member, just just like yeah, just, I saw what I saw. What do you what do you want me to do? You know, so I don't know. That's that. Those are three of my three of my favorite uh, overall guests. I feel like I'm leaving somebody out. Go abundance wise, there's been a bunch of people. Yeah. Dave Garps just jumps to mind. He was a fun interview. I liked him a lot. It was a lot of depth to him that I didn't realize. So he surprised me. But those are some of the bigger ones that I liked. Yeah, that's a great answer. The Itzler interview was amazing, by the way. I listened to that, I don't know, a month ago or whenever, whenever you kind of made it live for our group. So for was, you guys, yeah. Yep. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yeah. It's funny, you know, Adam and I talk about this all the time in our uh, and we're really enjoying this. And we didn't I, I think we're evolving now too. And we had a big breakthrough, I think, last week where we were started out by just going through people's stories and backgrounds and and it's probably more me because I really enjoy hearing people's backgrounds and stories. And, yeah. you know, but but we had a, a guest last week from uh, London, a guy named Hector, who um, had a great story. And we, we just like zip through it. I'm trying to pull back. And he just goes into all that stuff. Yeah. And, and it would end up being an amazing episode. And I think it, it, to me, it hit home like, yeah, you're right. We got to get through the background stuff pretty quickly. It depends on the into- guy. And look, it depends on the medium yeah. too. Like I said, when I have an hour on stage with you and I got to incorporate Q and a, like I can't be asking background questions. That just takes right. too much time. Right. I've got to, right. I've got to, I've got to cut, you know, three, three quarters of the way through the story and then, and then show the audience uh, something that they haven't seen with this person before, which takes a lot of prep. I probably spent 40 to 50 hours prepping for guests like that. Right. So, oh. um, so there's that. A regular podcast interview on somebody who maybe doesn't have a deep, like doesn't have a book to read, doesn't have a whole bunch of content out there that you can dive into, hasn't been on dozens of podcasts. You have to ask, like, tell me a little bit more about your backstory or what were you like as a kid? Something like that, where you get them sort of talking about the background. I do that still now, but if there's a guest that I'm going to have that has significant content out there, then I try to, I try to do as much research, research as I can. I jot down a whole bunch of stuff in like a notes app while I'm at the gym listening or whatever. And then I go back and I just, I determine like, what's, what of this stuff is like, do I think is interesting for the audience? Like, what of this do I think would be interesting for the audience? And I immediately delete those. I don't want any of those questions in my, in my repertoire. I don't want to ask anything that I think is interesting for the audience because I'm probably wrong. What I ask is like, actually, I just want to know this me personally, because I believe podcasting is the ultimate in like going to an event or a networking event a networking group or whatever. And there's like, you two guys are talking and then me and two other people kind of come over and we're just listening to your conversation. Like, I'm not going to go, Luis, ask, ask Adam this for me. This is what I'd like to <laughs> do that. Right. I, I'm just interested in what you guys are talking about. So I think most people, I just did a poll on this and I was proven right. Most people just want to hear really interesting conversations. And if you're trying to land the, the, the question that the audience is going to benefit from, I just, I think that loses like just a, it's an un, mm. it's not even like a, like a palpable, but there's, you can sense a, a, a disconnect in authenticity that just to me takes it down a peg. Like I'd much rather listen to one of you guys. Who's that? Like, I'm trying to get, you know, you guys remember Shaggy, the rapper, yeah. oh, I'm yeah. trying to get him huge Shaggy okay. fan. So I'm yeah. trying to get Shaggy on it. Guys, I will geek the F out on that podcast <laughs> with Shaggy. Like I won't even know the microphones there. Right. 
that would be way more fun for somebody to listen in on than, well, uh, it wasn't me. Uh, tell me more about <laughs> come to be shaggy, you know, like it doesn't. So I try to eliminate any question that I think the audience wants to hear because I'm probably wrong. It's just more, you know, what I want to hear. It doesn't mean there's never a question that I think the audience needs or has con- needs context for I'm not saying there's, there's absolutes on this. It's like, I never ask somebody for their backstory. But generally speaking, I like to go a little deeper, and especially if they've got stuff to read or dive into. The, and sorry, I'm going to rant on podcasts. The other thing on podcasts people forget and make a mistake with is they think that the guest proximity is, is the credibility play. When really what you should be aiming for with your guests, while you will get credibility, if you had Grant Cardone on this podcast, that's like, oh, wow, the Wayfinder show. Interesting. Like they've had Grant Cardone on. Great. I get it. You get credibility. But it's more the network that you build with these folks and what that does. So Sean Casey and I talk often, right? We 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 keep up with one another. A uh, couple of GoPros were going to Las Vegas recently. I texted Exhibit, you know, like, hey, man, these guys are coming into town. Do you want to meet up with them? You know, so it's, yeah. the, it's the network you're able to build amongst the people. You're not going to be best friends with everybody, but that's more what having a great guest is all about, having a great yeah. guest come on than it is the credibility. You get credibility, but that's that should be the aim of it is that. And so when you do that, now you're asking really great questions of that guest who's been on a million shows, they remember you. And when they remember you, you can continue to maintain a relationship. And then if you want the ultimate, guys, do you want the ultimate, ultimate app? This is going to answer maybe your first question, but I'll give you a different answer to it. Your first question on the on the uh, rapid fire. But if you want the ultimate way to stand out, there's an app called Etsy. You guys know Etsy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You get a guest that you really, really enjoyed, that you really were like over the moon about getting, right? That you got this guest and, and they were somebody that you admire or whatever. Learn about them, whatever you can, and go on Etsy and buy something custom and send it to them. Ask their assistant Ooh, for a mailing address or whatever. Good. So yeah. Jay Scott, Jay Scott was just on my podcast, right? Years ago, he did something for me with multifamily more. And at the time he was like top of the heap in real estate, like hard to get. I went through his Instagram profile because I can't find anything other than freaking real estate with that guy. So I go through his Instagram, pro- like two thirds of the way down, there's a picture of him at a horse race. Being in GoBundance, I message Brandon Turner and I say, hey man, what's with Jay and horse racing? Oh, he owns horse race. He owns racehorses. Here's the name of his stable. So I went on Etsy and I had a custom horseshoe made with the name of his stable. Nothing with my name or multifamily and more. Nothing it was only, like not a marketing tool. It's not like put your Wayfinder show on there. Nothing like that. But just thank you so much for spending the time. And it had like the name of his stables in the year or something like that on this mm. really cool custom horseshoe. I mailed it to him. Last year, I'm at a podcast festival speaking, as was Jay. And in the middle of his speech, he calls me out and he says, you guys want to know how to treat a guest? Let me tell you this story about Jamie Gruber. I still have that horseshoe on my wall. So when I called him last Sunday and said, hey, man, can you do a quick episode with me tomorrow? Done. Let's talk about the Silicon Valley banking collapse. Build a network with your audience. That's the or with your with your guests more than try to get credibility by being on the same screen as them. That's my advice. Thank you. I'm done. I'm done with my rant. That's Sorry, great, guys. man. I, t- no, I took away too much Thank time. I'll, I'll just say I've already benefited from, like, uh, you know, I wasn't looking to, but that's already happened. You know, we've had a guest, uh, Austin Linney, who we haven't aired yet, but it will be on soon. And, Austin's a good uh, dude. At, yeah, Adam got him on, and he, wow, that dude blew our minds. It was like yeah. our first, like, really big breakthrough episode, right? And then after that, we had a conversation uh, after the recording went off and, uh, and then he offered to come into my team and have a zoom meeting with the team. And let me tell you, it was about three weeks ago now. And we've been pumped. I mean, we are already <laughs> functioning at a whole different level than we were prior to that. Like everybody's yeah. why we're doing morning huddles every day. Now I tried for two years to get a morning huddle. I couldn't get anybody on Austin yeah. talks to him, gets him on. I mean, it is, it's great. Yeah, if, You're right. And and there you go. If Austin's a guy that you really admire, then like I said, go on Etsy, figure out what he's all about yeah, and send him totally. something cool for 40 bucks. Um, yeah. That would be, that would be customized to him that he would be like, Oh my God, you know, that's yeah. the way to do it. And, and expect nothing, not that you're expecting anything, but just yeah, do it no. because you're, you're truly thankful. Right. Totally. But it was an eye opener just to, to be, you know, to yeah. say, Hey, this is, this is more powerful than just you guys are like, people don't people understand home. podcast. They think, Oh, everybody's got a podcast. Like, yeah, great. But you get to hang out with people for an hour, hour and a half, get mentored yourself right. and build a network, build a network. Right. That you, can, you guys put on the Wayfinder Wayfinder uh, uh, retreat in a year or two years after you're 150 right. episodes in. Right. You yeah. go back to your guests 
and say, hey, the ones that you maintain a network with and say, hey, um, we're doing this retreat. Here's the here, it's a thousand bucks. If you can, if you publicize this to your network, I'll pay you $200 for each one of them. You get a bunch of people who believe in what you guys are. And oh my God, they were yeah. great to me. They sent me this gift, all this stuff. You have a network of people that you can leverage when you need to, if, if they want to, and you don't expect anything, but you just put it out there. Hey, here's value to you, value to me. You'll fill up your retreat way faster than if you just try to sell it directly to the podcast. So treat your guests as part of this network that you're building more than, I mean, as much as your audience. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So now we are, uh, I think we're taking a lot of your time, which you've been- Dude, I told you, man, whatever you need, anytime you need. Anytime thank you. Need. Thank you. Well, we are, uh, we're now at the first, you are the first guest that we are giving the Wayfinder 4 to, by the way, formerly known as the, 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 sec, the segment of the show, formerly known as Rapid Fire is now the Wayfinder 4. Oh, got so, it. Uh, we're going to start you off with um, give us a hack and you it can't be Etsy that, you no. know, you, you played yourself with that one already, man. <laughs> no, 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 man. If I'm giving one hack, like anybody that is, I mean, whether you have a job, don't have a job. Um, if you are not leveraging virtual assistants in this day and age, oh. you are missing out on an amazingly low cost, high value tool um, to do anything. Like if you're in your job and you're like, oh, I'm struggling with time management between my job, and my side hustle, like think of day-to-day -day activities that a, a VA can take off your plate in your personal life, uh, scheduling date night, anything, right? Like for three to $5 an hour, you can, you can make so much progress in your life by offloading those tasks to somebody else. So virtual assistance. Wow. How, and how do you get them? Depends, man. Like I, there's a, a site I've used called virtualstaff.ph. That's Philippines. You can find them on Fiverr, not Fiverr, uh, Upwork. Um, there's a couple of people that do like recruiting, uh, as a place called VA Rockstars. I've used, I've used many different ways. Not one is better than the other, but if you're going to, the easy is Upwork. Uh, it's a little more costly, but virtualstaff.ph, if you're willing to use somebody in the Philippines, is a great site as well. All right. Thanks for that. Now, other than Shaggy, name a favorite. It could be a band, a book, a <laughs> podcast. What do you got? Oh boy. Other than check. So I'll go with a book that jumps to mind. Uh, there's a book coming out uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks called 10 X is easier than two X. Uh, it's by Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan. Um, uh, again, thanks to go as I got to know uh, Benjamin Hardy a little bit. He sent me an advanced copy uh, of the book and I'll tell you it, it it's, the, the concept is so simple, but so eye-opening. I gave a copy to each member of my pod uh, and they were like, oh my God, yeah, just blown away by it. Six chapters. It's not a long read. So when it comes out May 9th, I recommend uh, everybody pre-order it now or order it. And um, yeah, that book will be, that book will be great. I'm giving it to everybody at my Austin event coming up. So oh, uh, nice. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be great. We've already had who, not how mentioned. We've already yeah. had gap in the gain mentioned. So yeah. I mean, Benjamin Hardy's just just killing it, of course. Yep, so. yep, they just 100%. put out gold, don't they? It's like he does. It doesn't yeah. matter what what it is now. Just yeah, pick this, it up. They this one it. incorporates the lessons of Gap in the Gain and Who Not How, and I'm assuming they'll continue to oh. build on each other. But this one does a great job. Wow. Okay. So, um, Jamie, what's something you would tell your 25 year old self? I'd say so. I, I'll be honest. I I'm not a huge fan of this question and it's nothing against you guys, but I would tell my 25 year old self to answer it directly. Do exactly what you did when you were 25. What I, I think the question should be, because it's such an esoteric concept. Like I can't do it. I can't go back to 25. It's not physically possible for me to go back to 25 year old me. And even if I did, if there was a, anybody has this experience, if you talk to anybody that's, I don't know, 10, 15 years younger, even if you're a college senior giving advice to a high school junior, that kid or that person at 25, they don't hear you. Like nobody wants to hear the 40 something year old give advice. We know what, if I were you, I would do this. At 25, I, my ears weren't open enough to listen to the wisdom of somebody else. I don't think you gain that wisdom until like 35. I don't think you really get like, wow, the, the homeless guy on the street, I could learn from that guy until you're like 35. Like there's life experience there. I'm no better than that guy. That doesn't happen until you're a little older. The question I like to ask, because I think it's actually doable, it's somebody you can visit. And there's a clear answer when you ask this person is not what would I tell my 25-year-old self? It's what would my 90-year-old self tell me or my 80-year-old mm. self or my five-year-from-now, whatever age you are, tell me. Because only you know that person. No one else knows you in five years or you in 10 years. You know them. You know who they are. If you were to sit down and say, okay, it's 2028 or 2038, whatever it might be, 10, 15 years from now, five, 10, 15 years from now, 
what would I say about what I'm doing right now? Or, wow, yeah, you know what? I'd be pretty inspired if I met me right now from, from 15 years from now. Like Visit future you. I think that's a way more valuable exercise to truly understand what's what you know what you're doing now because otherwise you're always looking back and there's stress in that like well if I could tell my 25 year old self if only I knew then what I know now it's it's just futile so I'd rather say well and this happened for me when I quit my job 90 year old me would not say Jamie you know what just grind it out man like you're not happy but you're making money just do that he's gonna say dude look you got you got kids you're married. I get your life is quote unquote complicated, but I'm near death. That's a lot more complicated. You're vital, young in your prime earning years. Like go get it. Don't, you know, I'd rather you take a shot on you and on us. If I'm talking to 90 year old me, then you grind out the rest of your life and then get to my age and be like, oopsie, uh, that's not what life should be about. So I would say, look forward is my answer to that question. That's great. So what do you think holds people back from being happy? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say, like I think about me, what holds people back from like when, when, when I'm at my unhappiest is when I am refusing to hear what is being said to me inside of me. So I'll go like theoretical than tactical. Theoretically, what keeps people unhappy is doing things for the benefit of everybody else around them, doing things for the accolades, the judgment, the uh, I'm sorry, the, the lacking judgment, the the approval of somebody else, people pleasing. I think that keeps people unhappy. And I think to find like, well, OK, I don't know if what I'm doing right now is because it's for somebody else, like you just said, Jamie, or if it really is for me, like I'm I'm struggling to identify the, the gap between that. I think you need to take three straight days over a weekend or whatever, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and go away completely by yourself. Set an intention for yourself to understand like, what is my unique ability? What is the thing I love doing more than anything else? And then let three days pass full detox of your brain. Cause otherwise every other day of your life is get up, do your morning routine, go to work, come home, play with the kids, kiss the wife, watch something on Netflix, go to bed, rinse, repeat every day, every day, every day, every day, no time alone. Spend three days by yourself. Ask yourself, what is it that truly I want for my life? Or what is it that I really love doing on a day-to-day basis? After three days of discomfort, (laughs) of having to write this stuff down and figure out like, oh my God, I just want to get on my phone and watch something. You do that for three straight days, not in darkness, not like just somewhere that you love being, a hotel room or in nature or wherever. You can find the path to what you love to do. And when you start doing that without fear of, whether I'll be judged for it or whether I'm pleasing somebody else by doing it and convincing myself that I love it, that'll unlock you. That'll get you happiness. But we, we people please, and I do anyway, and that's what keeps us unhappy. Now you do this on a regular basis, don't you, Jamie? Go do your little weekend retreats. Every quarter, every quarter. I try to every quarter we do, we do, uh, my wife and I, uh, alternate. So she'll do three days and then I'll do three days. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's mind opening. It really is. It's like Friday into Saturday, you'll detox. Like I said, you'll be like, you know, oh, I got to email that guy. I got to text this guy, whatever. You're going to, you're going to have that. You just allow it to happen. Saturday's like, okay, now what do I do? Do I just keep writing things? I feel like I wrote everything like, and eh, do some push-ups. But then as you get into Saturday night, everything kind of like settles and you go into Sunday. And I always tell people like, if you're booking a hotel book until Monday, even if you go home Sunday night, book until Monday. So you don't have to check out at 11 and you can stay because sometimes that last three, four hours going into Sunday evening is when the the most clarity comes to me because I've just gotten that much further into my detox. So that to me is a, is a, is a huge win. And it's something it solitude got vilified during COVID, right? Like people are killing themselves. Like, yeah, sure. But you know, solitude with intention is, uh, is one of the most powerful underutilized weapons, uh, that we can use. Everybody wants to cold plunge and cold shower their way to, to clarity, but, you know, take three days with yourself, see what happens. Wow. That's, that's really good. Thank you. Sure. What, what, uh, well, if people want to get a hold of you, Jamie, how, how can you do that? Easiest way, go to Instagram at the Jamie Gruber. I tend to spend most of my time there. Check out tribe of millionaires, the, the podcast, always looking for new listeners there. And, uh, you know, those are probably the best two spots. And I don't know if you can go back in time in that, but Jamie at least used to do some great uh, content around his cycle class. He used to attend, <laughs> he used to make me laugh. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure you stopped doing that a while ago, Jamie. But well, I, are, now I don't understand them. The, the cycle, the, I did a spin class last Friday. I'm sure she said something funny, but it was in Spanish. So I, right. I didn't quite grasp it. 
Is that your torture of choice there? Uh, yeah, if I'm going to do something cardio like that, that just it allows me to kind of just stay in one place. Some ladies yelling at me and I can I can stay motivated. But um, uh, I, I actually I enjoy doing weights. It's just that my body. I'm not a big guy, but my body builds and I, 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 when I build, like I eat more and then I, you know, like my body's naturally like wants to inflate. So spinning and, and, and cardio helps me just sort of at least stay somewhat thin. <laughs> cool. All right, man. We can't thank you enough. Uh, everybody else check out JB's podcast and, and yeah, hope you enjoyed the show. Appreciate it guys. We hope you've enjoyed the Wayfinder Show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.